record. Hello, and welcome to the Cabinets HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cabinets. Our guest today is Janice Longco. Janice, are you ready to be great today? I am always ready to be great. Janice is the president of Limelight LLC. She has 20 years of experience as a federal government executive manager, as well as, as, well as experience as, as the executive vice president of a full service communications company focused on training and informational productions. She's a certified coach and successfully coached at the executive level, mentored and developed leaders through her management of leadership development programs and development of training programs for industry and government. She was instrumental in OPM's e-learning initiative and at the time, the only government service provider for e-learning courses. She was the director of the National Audiovisual Center, the government's repository for federally produced training materials. In addition to being a certified coach, Janice holds master certificates in organizational development, community resources management, and government, government contracting for Villanova University. Janice provides experience and expertise in coaching, training, leadership development, communication, and mentoring. Her philosophy in life and in her service to clients is success for everyone. She believes that given the right guidelines and with training opportunities, everyone can gain control of their life work relationships and destiny and be successful. She has always been a service to others in the community and at the workplace to her clients and her associates. Janice looks forward to the challenges of helping others and the rewards of successful coaching can bring. Janice, thank you for that. Now let me turn up to you what's going on in the world of Janice Long Co right now. Well, first of all, thank you, Jason, for inviting me onto your, your, uh, I guess it would start out a podcast, but I guess it's more than that now. And I must say that after that intro, I, I need to tell you that I'm not 105 years old. Um, and it sounds like I, I've done a lot of things. But in addition to that, I have three wonderful children and five grandchildren. So I'm very, very proud of them as well. That's a full-time job right there, isn't it? Uh, well, you know, my, my kids are very capable parents. And uh, when they visit, it's a handful. Um, but it's always fun and always exciting to have them around. So what's going on? Um, there's a lot of things going on in the world of coaching. Um, I'm uh, an ICF certified coach, so I really uh, pay attention to what's going on and attend webinars, and I'm always learning something. And I think that's really the key to success and, and feeling young and being young and being healthy is to continually learn things. So um, I have a, a, a coaching uh, practice and I think I've, I've done a lot of coaching with teams, executive teams, individuals. Um, and I think one of the things that I've noticed is that unlike um, a psychiatrist, you know, uh, I help people reach their goals. And so one of the first things we talk about is what's going on with you and where do you want to go and, and what are your goals and how can we get there? And there's several methods I use for that, uh, several formulas, but coaching also sort of takes um, its own path, if you will. And it's all about listening, me listening, um, and hearing what people are really saying. And that gives a great deal of satisfaction to me. And I hope I've helped people, and I know I've helped people because I have some very good reports from people, um, to reach their goals. And that's really, I think, I'm very task-oriented, goal-oriented. I'm as disorganized as the next person. And uh, I can get 
off kilter with things that happen in the world, in my life, in the family, but I try to stay focused on goals and that brings me back to be centered, I think, so that we that I can get somewhere. And that's what I try to do with my clients is help them stay centered and focused on what they need to do to make their life great. Janice, what do you find most rewarding about helping others out? Oh, wow. Just hearing somebody say at the end of the sessions, which is, you know, normally about five to 10 sessions, um, hearing them say, I can't tell you how much this helped me. A lot of times with folks in the government and folks in the corporate world, I hear, I wish somebody had offered me coaching early in my career. And uh, so I'm a, a big proponent of coaching in middle management, not just waiting till people are, are leaders. And I do a lot of leadership coaching and a lot of leadership training. Um, but we need to get to people in their, I'll say newer stage of their career so they can set a path then. And, you know, I get called in a lot when there's a problem. Um, it might be an EEO complaint and, and settlement. I might be part of the settlement. Um, but, and by that I mean uh, somebody is settling an EEO suit and one of the conditions is that the person gets coaching. Um, but it shouldn't be all about a problem. It should really be about setting a course. And um, leadership development, I think, really needs a lot of focus. People need to really start looking at um, younger, newer folks in the government and in the corporate sector and saying, where can these people go in our organization? And how do we get them there? And let's start talking to them now. Let's not wait. Um, I think we're losing a lot of talent because we don't do that younger people um, tend to get disenchanted and we really need to do things to not just recruit them but to retain them and tell them I hear a lot from young people about I don't know where I'm supposed to go in this organization my manager never talks to me about that that's not good leadership and management we need to constantly be nurturing uh, the new people that come in as well as the experienced people and be telling them, this is where we see you going in the organization. It's like anything, it's, in your, it's like your life. You sort of wanna know where you're going. And I don't think we should wait till somebody walks into our office and says, I found a new job. And then we say, well, whoa, whoa, wait, why not stay here? We'll offer you, you know, a few thousand dollars. And, you know, that's not what it's about. People are following their passion and people want to know where they're going. I know there's a stat out there somewhere that says like, when, when somebody like, when that happens and you, and you offer them more money to stay, that person usually ends up leaving within 18 months anyway. Yes. Because if they're looking for a job, there's a reason and that extra money is not gonna, probably not gonna solve that problem. And that's exactly my point. If you wait until they're in your office telling you that they're leaving, they've already made the decision. And you as a leader or as a manager have dropped the ball because you weren't preparing them for what's next. And I think the what's next is really important. Yes, I did figure with that. Janice, how do you handle this? Someone's come to you for coaching, but you can tell that, you know, they're not really into it. There's like going through emotions. How do you handle that? Well, I think one of the first and foremost things to coaching being successful is someone has to be coachable. However, I will tell you that I've had some people that have been sent to me, if you will. And when I first talked to them, I just 
sort of come back to my office and go, oh my gosh, this person's not coachable at all. But I give it, I, I usually tell whoever's hired me, sometimes it's an individual, but sometimes it's an organization. And I say to them, I'm not sure that this is going to be workable, but let's give it another session or two. I have learned that that next session or two is very important. The first session I think sometimes is intimidating. Your boss, you know, has asked for a coach to come in. People are like, well, you know, why are you here and what does this mean? Again, not knowing what's next. Um, Coaching is very valuable and it's not always, sometimes it's part of a situation or a problem, but many times it's part of moving the organization forward. And so I think once people get over the fear they have, also the fear of confidentiality. Unless my agreement stipulates that I'm reporting back to somebody and the person being coached would know that because I would tell them, I'm your coach, everything you say to me is normally between you and I. However, under this agreement, I am reporting back to your boss, the head of HR, whatever. And if they're not interested in doing that, that's it. But 99% of the time it's confidential. And I think that's what people really like because what they say to me is confidential. It's not going anywhere else. Um, I just finished an engagement with a government organization that will remain nameless. Um, and it was 22 people and they had uh, 11 or 12 sessions each. And I can tell you at the end of that, the only thing I reported in and I let the people know, the people who are being coached know that right away was, did I pick up on any themes? Um, was there anything that organizationally they needed to be doing. That's a great opportunity for people being coached. Uh, tell me that everybody's feeling overworked. Tell me, I can say things under a coaching agreement that maybe people don't wanna say, but they can use me to make change in their organization. And that quote report was about three paragraphs and it said, uh, 50% of the people said that they have too much work and not enough time to do it, or 10% of the people said this, 100% of the people said that there's no communication in the office, and that was absolutely what was said. And that's what I find a lot. The communication is really one of the really, really key problems in the government as well as in the corporate world. People just aren't communicating. They're not saying what's next. They're not saying this is where we plan to go. They're not even seeking input. Like our goal is to get to $100 million revenue next year. What, what do you all think? What do you think we should be doing? I think communication and change. Those are the two biggest problems that I see. People don't prepare for change. They don't have a transition plan for change, they spring change on people, and think about your own personal life. If somebody walks in the door and says, okay, we're moving, you know, that's a change and that's not easy for people to just accept. If you say, I'm thinking about moving, I was thinking we'd start looking in whatever state or whatever city, let's go and look at it let's see what it would look like if we lived there those are even in your personal life you like to know what's going on and what changes about 
people need that in their professional life as well. So to answer your question, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I think, and I'm not sure you asked this question, but I'll answer it. Communication and change are the two most important things that I think can help uh, coaching. <clears throat> excuse me. The two things that I think can help in an organization. Individuals have maybe some different problems. I mean, I've had people who come to the office and talk too much about golf or football. And all people want is, you know, will so-and-so shut up about his name, the team. Um, that's a different kind of coaching. Um, but it's all interesting. It's all fun. And I, when I say fun, I mean it's meaningful. It's meaningful to me, and I hope I'm making meaningful, meaningful change. And the feedback I get is that I am. That's good, Janice. Janice, from your point of view, have you found a difference between working with government organizations and private versus private organizations? Well, of course, I spent 20 years in the federal government, um, so I know a little bit about it. And there's no question, it's a different culture. Um, certainly from a provider point of view, um, you have to go through a lot of hoops to be able to work in the government. Um, bidding processes, being in a small business or being a woman-owned business, you know, whatever it may be. Um, we are, Limelight is connected to several uh, small businesses and uh, small disadvantaged uh, veteran groups. And so they are the prime on some contracts and we're brought in as a provider on that. Um, I think in the private sector, I'm, I'm probably given a little more latitude in terms of talking to folks without a lot of regulations. I mean, having been in the government for 20 years, I certainly know that there's things that I'm not going to ask people um, that they're going to be careful talking to me about. And I get that. And that's why I think I'm sort of unique. And my partner is unique in that we've done both. We've, we've been, I've been a small business owner. Um, you know, I've had two small businesses, so I know what that's like. I know what it's like to have a small staff. I know what it's like to be on a film location with 150 people. I know what it's like to be in the government and not be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, I need something done. Come do it. Um, so the regulations are important to know, and I think that's why I'm, I'm very valuable in the, uh, in the government, because I understand that. I'm not going to go in and break the rules um, I'm not going to have the people I'm coaching break the rules. Janice Nix, talk about a time you, you were successful in the past, what you learned from the success, and what we can learn from the success you had in the past. Well, uh, in the training world, I feel like I've had some really good success with the contract that we've had with the Department of Defense. Um, they've made some real changes, I think, based on that. And that, that's been very gratifying. As far as coaching goes, um, I've been able to go into a company that was having some real executive team at the highest level problems and help them work through it and help them make some changes, which were a little painful. Some people had to leave the organization, and that isn't something that, you know, I liked recommending. 
Um, but they've become stronger because there were some people who were causing some issues and problems and divulging things, and they're a much better company because of it. So that was a good experience. Um, I can say that probably my biggest failure was the fact that I went into, in my, in my career as a Fed, I went into a situation to make change. And it was before I was a coach. It was early on in my career. And I talked about the change. I didn't ask for input. And I also didn't have a transition plan. So I did all the things that I help people not do now. I did. And it was a huge failure. And that's why I can talk about some of these things and share with people my own examples of things that I've done well and things that I haven't done so well. Yes, I know. And I was I never had a I never had a coach. I needed a coach when I was, you know, twenty years ago. Yes. And going back from the people that leave the company, I'm a big big believer in sometimes, you know, a, the best way to get addition is actually attract some people. Because sometimes, you know, that's the best thing for the organization. And for those people who have to leave. Well, you know, if you if you bring someone in and they identify people who are causing problems in the organization, um, executives have to be able to make the hard decisions. But I really counsel them and help them to do it in a way that is healthy for the organization and as healthy as possible for the people who are leaving. Yes. Janice, can you tell us about someone who's helped you in the past and how they helped you? Well, that is... That's a good question because I have to say along the way, um, I've had many people who have mentored me and been very good to me. Um, I would say though that there was uh, the director of my organization, the first organization I was in in the government. And uh, he was a wonderful man. His name was Ron Lawson. He's passed away. And um, he saw my struggle coming from the corporate environment, the small business environment, the outside, if you will, uh, in terms of some of the things that I was doing that just weren't going to work in the government. And he had no problem bringing me into his office and saying, okay, look, you're great. I love what you're doing, but you know, you're making people upset. You're doing things the wrong way. Uh, we can't do things like that in the government. And uh, he really, really you know, I hate to say held my hand, but he did. He held my hand through the probably the first year or two. And as my responsibility kept expanding, and it did, it expanded a lot over the first, I'd say, four or five years. And my, I got promoted right up the line, everything. But he was there. And he wasn't afraid to say, job well done. But he also wasn't afraid um, to bring me in and say, you missed the mark on this one. And I always appreciated that because coming in from the outside world into the government is a real culture change. And I don't think I recognized it until he pointed out some of the things I was doing. Some of the, I won't call them failures because he didn't, he didn't really let them be failures. He, he brought me in and you know, he did, he praised in public and he criticized in private, which is one of the things I teach in leadership courses. Um, anybody who's going to harangue somebody publicly publicly does not belong in a management position or a leadership role. So I learned a lot from him. I, I, he was a true leader. Yes, Janice. So how do you handle this situation? So you're with the organization 
and you can tell the management has one view of things and the work so called works has another view and the views don't match at all. How do you quote unquote fix that situation? Okay, I'm sorry, Jason, could you repeat that? You dropped out a little bit. Okay. So on one hand, the, the managers and leaders have one view of what's going on and the workers have another view. Ah. How do you make those match up? Okay. And uh, first of all, the management has to be ready to listen and they have to understand, they have to be coachable. They have to understand that, um, and, and the company that I, I mentioned where there's all this change was made, we did um, some diagnoses we did some disc assessments and we brought them all together and we in the disc assessment we talked to their direct reports and we talked to their peers and we talked to people that just had occasional interaction with them and that's what started the process originally I thought I was going to bring them all together in a room and because that's normally the way we do it and go through the assessments and let each one hear where their strengths and weaknesses were. It became very apparent that they worked so poorly together that having them in the same room to hear their strengths and weaknesses was not going to work. So then we did individual coaching of each one, never divulging what the, they knew about their assessments, but we didn't share other assessments. The tension was just too much. Um, and that's where some of the results came from, from talking to each one individually about how they were being perceived um, and what their strengths and weaknesses were. Um, so in that case, it was management and people in the organization having very different views and sharing the views with management. And these are very personal views, you know, how you view your manager, how you view the CEO, the CFO, and everything. Um, so the communication process and something like that is very important. They have to be able to listen. We also went in with some leadership training, communication training for everyone, uh, for the staff and the, the executive team, and uh, taught them more about how to communicate with each other, how to listen to each other, and it was, it was a, a process. And um, so how do I handle it? One of the things I do is like to delve into it and really find out what's going on. Because sometimes if there's just, there can be a change, there could be a difference in opinion, um, but there can also be a real difference in just cultural things. I've had a CEO who loved to walk through the office and use foul language, and that was a, that was a real problem for a lot of people in the organization, as well it probably should be. And so having to talk to him about his language skills and offending people and having to deal with them to say it is his company and there are certain things he has a right to do. And at times I have to say to people, if you are disliking this situation so much, maybe we need to help you find a new job. Um, but it's important to analyze, find out what's going on, talk to everyone, get the input and then come up with sort of a, a plan for them to make the changes that they need to make. And sometimes it's just a coaching plan. Sometimes it's everybody needs, you know, five hours of coaching and let's see where we are. But sometimes it's let's bring in some training and train people on how they should be listening, communicating, even behaving in some cases. Janice, 
Do you have a, a book or books you could recommend for our listeners? Well, I have a, a library full of them. Um, and I didn't know you were going to ask that question, but I will say this to your viewers. Anyone who can find any information on emotional intelligence should do it. If you do nothing between now and the end of 2017 or first thing in 2018, find out more about emotional intelligence because there's all kinds of studies out there, and I quote them a lot in my training, that when I think it was 100 CEOs were asked, you know, what's more important when you're hiring somebody? Is it technical ability? Is it education and degrees? Is it, I, you know, I don't even remember the other ones. They all said it's emotional intelligence because I can pay for them to get degrees. I can pay for them to get technology. Um, you know, everything else I can pay for. But if people don't understand their own emotional intelligence and how it fits in, to their life and their work life, um, that's just something that you, you can't teach people quickly. Um, once again, you can bring in a coach who can talk to you about emotional intelligence, but I think that's you know a, a leader, um, anyone at the top of the organization, anybody in high-level management or mid-management, and even employees should understand all about emotional intelligence so that they know. I've had people say to me after I've coached them on emotional intelligence or after I've done a training on emotional intelligence, not only did it help me at work, but my relationship at home or with my family, with my parents, with my girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever is so much better now that I understand how I impact other people and what I need to do to increase my emotional intelligence. So I'd say that's the one, the one thing that everybody should learn more about. Yes, I definitely agree. I mean, I mean that's such a big deal these days. I mean, you have to be able to handle, do that. But Janice, I understand you have something for our listeners today. Yes. Um, at your request, um, I would like to offer people, um, individuals, a one-hour consultation they can email me at coachco, that's C-O-A-C-H, co, C-O-E, 26, at gmail.com. And I can tell you that that's worth some, some money. So um, an hour of consultation for an individual and for small businesses, because that's something that I think, you know, I get calls for big corporations all the time. Small businesses think, it's way too expensive, it's not worth it. Real change can happen with coaching. So for small business, um, I'll do a 50% off uh, five sessions of coaching. And uh, you know, a lot of coaching, I, I coach on the West Coast, the East Coast, the North, the South. A lot of coaching is done just like we're doing this or even uh, by phone. So again, the email address is coachco and that's COE, CoachCo26 at gmail.com. Janice, thank you for that. That's very valuable. I know our listeners are going to really uh, make use of that. So, Janice, do you have any social media links for either yourself or your companies that people can reach out to you, like on LinkedIn, Twitter, or any other platform? You know, I, I don't use that medium, and I don't for a reason, and we probably don't have time to go into it right now, but um, uh, in my coaching practice, I have found that some of the social media out there is um, some of the things that people in a coaching session talk to me about. And uh, I, I think 
I, I just don't think it, it's the healthiest place to be communicating with people. So um, email, phone, um, you know, I think there's some things that we just need to talk to each other directly, if you will. And uh, so I don't. I don't have it, but it, there's a good reason for it, I think. Yes, Janice, we'll come to the end of our talk. Do you have any last words of wisdom or advice for our listeners? I don't think so, except to encourage people to know themselves, emotional intelligence, and to reach out for help. Um, if you have um, mental health issues, reach out to the appropriate people, and it's not a coach. Uh, a coach is not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. If you have issues um, that could use a coach in your workplace, in your business, um, even in couples, uh, couples coaching is a very popular thing. And um, I would say reach out and get a coach. A coach will tell you. Uh, coaches are very ethical and very honest, and a coach will say to you, I'm sorry, this is something that you really need to talk to your doctor about. I had somebody call me who wanted to be coached. They had an alcohol and drug problem, and I said, that's not something that you want me for, and I encourage you to talk to your physician, um, and if you need the na name of a mental health provider, I'm happy to do the research and help you with that, but um, Coaches can be very valuable if used correctly, and um, I'd love to hear from some of your listeners and viewers. Thank you, Janice. Janice, thank you very much for being on our show today. I really appreciate it. I know you're a busy person. You got a lot going on, so I really appreciate your time and talking to my listeners. Thank you, Jason. It was a pleasure. To our listeners, thank you for your time as well, and remember to be great every day.